Welcome, everyone. I am Bob Wurzelbacher, the director of the Respect Life Office for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. And this is our video podcast series that we call Being Pro-Life. Each month, we'll discuss a different topic in the Respect Life arena. We'll hear a personal story from someone deeply affected by that issue. And finally, we'll share ways that you can get involved. This month's topic is foster care. Today, we have several guests. Will you please introduce yourselves? My name is Susan Walther, and I am the director of Warren County Children's Services. My name is Dana Gershner, and I'm the supervisor of foster care at Warren County Children's Services. All right, Dana and Susan, let's start with you. You work with foster care, so can you tell us a little bit about the foster care system or the state of foster care here in Ohio, and then more specifically where you work in Warren County? Well, in Ohio, we've seen a 27% increase in children entering care since 2013. As you can imagine, that would create a situation where we would need many more foster parents to take in the the kids. Sometimes the lack of foster homes, we end up in a situation where children are going to group homes, residential treatment centers, and we really prefer for the children to stay in county, in their own communities, in a foster home. So this has really created a state of emergency almost to find more foster homes or families who are willing to welcome kids in while they're in need. Warren County currently has roughly 164 children in care and only 64 foster homes. So that's leading to us pushing placement of our children out into residential treatment facilities and group homes and foster homes outside of our county. I think roughly 60% of our kids are placed out of county. That terminates their relationships with their schools, with some of their friends, and it makes it really hard for them to visit their family. So for someone who doesn't even know what that means, what is a residential treatment center and what is that like for a child to stay in? Are they equipped to even have children? What what does that mean? A residential treatment facility generally has kids that have high behavioral needs. They have on-site nursing, on-site mental health services, but it is not a family setting. So it's staffed around the clock in three shifts. So a child that would need that kind of setting, would they normally they be in a home and then they would and they would go there sometimes as opposed to live there 24-7, or is this as opposed to not really needing to be there at all? Well, some of the children that are placed in group home settings, which is usually a house that is staffed 24-7, a lot of those children can be in homes, but there just might not be a home in Ohio or within our county that's available for that child, sometimes due to age, sometimes due to their behaviors or misconceptions about children coming into foster care. So our goal is to have every child in a family setting. As you can imagine, as you transition out of foster care, we don't want children who are in residential treatments or group homes that are having round-the-clock care not in a family setting. So does that mean that outside of Warren County or outside of Ohio, there are more families, like Ohio is worse than, than most other states in terms of having available foster homes? I don't think that our state is worse than other states. I think you're going to see this everywhere right now with the opiate epidemic, with children staying in care for longer. We just have more of a need right now for children who are in foster care to find homes. And we have a real initiative to take children out of group home settings and residential settings and put them into family settings, which is best for children. So we want those increase in foster homes. All right. So Dana and Susan, tell us a little bit about what puts a child in a foster care situation. What is that need that arises? Well, our agency always starts with an allegation. So someone has called our agency and said, I have a concern about a child 
And we go out and we'll investigate that concern. If that concerns rides to the level that the child cannot remain with their parents and there's no family available, no friends available, then we have to start looking for a foster home. The issues that can arise can be substance abuse, mental health concerns with the family, an inability to care for their child. And what we're seeing is when children are coming into care, we're not seeing them leaving care as quickly. So there's these longer lengths of stay that are necessary. So Dana and Susan, you talked about a 27% increase in the need for foster care in recent years. So is there something going on in society that's causing that to increase so abruptly? Well, the opiate crisis that everyone's experienced in the entire United States, increase in substance abuse, mental health concerns, these are all reasons why we've seen an increase in children coming into care. And as I've mentioned before, when the children are coming into care, we're not seeing them leading care as much, which the children are experiencing high levels of trauma. You can imagine being pulled out of your home being put into a strange place, the amount of transition that would take for a child. And with our need for foster homes within the county, now children are also leaving their communities, leaving what they what they know, their friends, their family, and going to a whole stranger's home or to group homes or residential treatment. And that's why we really see a need for additional foster homes to prevent that or minimize the trauma. So when a child goes into foster care, are they typically able to stay then until they either adopt it or go back to their family? Is it common? And if so, why is it common for children to bounce around to a lot of different foster homes? I think we try really, really hard to keep a child stable in a placement setting. So in that foster home or wherever they're placed through the life of the case. So for the whole time that they're in foster care, there are times that circumstances come into place that we do have to move them. So sometimes a family will ask that a child is removed due to their behavior. Maybe it's a little bit more than they can handle and they feel like they they can't handle that situation. And so we'll move a foster home replacement at that time. Maybe they no longer want to be licensed foster parents and so their license is expiring and so we'll have to move that child for that reason. We do try to always keep them in what we consider a less restrictive placement. So sometimes there's moves because they were in a group home and now we would like to see them in a foster home. When most children are placed in a home, most of the time, are they able to stay as long as they need to stay or is that another issue that we have with foster families. It is a challenge that we do have. And one way at Warren County, we're trying to combat that challenge is that we are making referrals to a program called MRSS, which is a mobile response stabilization service, which will go into the home when a child is placed in a foster care setting and work with the foster parents in dealing with the traumas that the children experience. Because a lot of the times when children do go to foster homes, They'll act out. Their behavior will be terrible. They're doing things that are very shocking. And a lot of it is just a reaction to the trauma being pulled from a home. We want to work with those foster parents so they better understand how to deal with that trauma. So Susan and Dana, what is the greater need, right? I mean, foster children, I'm sure, come in all ages, right? But do we have a, are there, are there ages that are in greater need or that there are fewer people willing to take certain ages? We have 64 homes right currently. And I would say less than five of those homes will take children above the age of six. So the need for a a foster home that would be willing to take children six to 18 is is huge right now. That's a gigantic difference out of 64 homes. Only five of them are willing to take children over six. And yet what percentage of children are over six? 60% of our children are over the age of six. Such a small percentage can take them over six and over half of them are over six. So those children must be, as you said, must be in residential treatment homes or other facilities like that right now. Or placed outside of our county in homes. 
which takes them away from the school that they know. And you always want to minimize those things as much as you can, right? It's, it's awful enough to be taken out of your home, but at least if you're in the same school and you have the same friends, that's not quite quite as traumatic, I would say. So Susan and Dana, before we move on to hear some of the personal stories uh, that we also, the people we're talking to, do you have maybe a couple examples of what, what is the, what are some situations where children end up in foster homes? There are times that we need emergency foster homes because things happen very quickly in children's lives. We've had situations where children have witnessed their parents overdose. Police will respond. We also respond. We cannot find any relatives or friends to take the child, and the child will need placement. You can imagine the trauma the child has experienced. You know, they quickly pack up a couple of belongings, and we start making phone calls. Our goal, keeping them in their school districts and their community, that is not always possible, which is very frustrating. And those are our goals. But when we've had to remove a child and then drive them for two hours, three hours to find a placement and then drop them into a home, that child's been through a lot. I mean, when we think about our own children just going to a sleepover at an unfamiliar place, how that can be very stressful for your own child who has stability. You can imagine how stressful that would be for a child who hasn't had that stability and now has witnessed what they've witnessed and they end up in a home and maybe can't express themselves or how they feel. We need caring and loving foster homes that are able to work with these children who have experienced a lot of trauma. Homes that hopefully we want them within county, obviously, to maintain them in their communities. All right, so Dana and Susan, let's go back to you. So we've heard some of the stories now of people who are experienced with the foster care system. And, and what if people are thinking about, okay, I can see that there's a great need, right? But I just don't I just don't know if I can, I've heard so many things. I've heard so many bad things about what it's like to be a foster family. What, what do you have to say to them? Well, Bob, we have a whole list of myths that are commonly found with foster care. So some of the common myths that people think about when they think about foster care is they think that that'll cost them a lot of money. And this is not true. There's actually no cost required in in your home study. You may have to do some upfront training costs with CPR and first aid, but we do reimburse for your pre-service training, which is $10 an hour per applicant for every hour that you've taken of training. And there's no other cost. Another common myth is that you have to have a large home to be a foster parent. And this is not accurate. There's no minimal square footage to be a foster parent. And each foster child does not have to have their own room. They can share a room with other children, your biological children, or other foster children. Another myth is that you have to have a large income to be a foster parent. And this is also not true. You have to have an income sufficient to meet your home's monthly bills and the agency will provide a per diem every day to help you care for the child we place in your home. Our per diem is currently $23 a day to cover food, clothing costs of that child, as well as a medical card to cover all medical costs that that child would incur. The next is that you're not allowed to have pets in your home. That is also not true. You just have to keep your pet in a safe and sanitary manner, as well as up to date on all rabies vaccines. When fostering teens, some people feel like they would have to baby-proof their house to have a teen in their home, and this is also not accurate. We adapt the home study for the age of child that you would want placed in your home. So if you would like a child that is an infant, we would check your home for safety of a child for an infant. If you would like a teenager, you wouldn't have to do things like have child safety locks. And the next myth is that you cannot own a firearm. This is not true. You are allowed to own a firearm. It just has to be kept in a safe manner, locked separately from the ammunition in your home. The last myth is that you must be a stay-at-home parent. This is also not true. We license families of all all types, two-parent, working, home, stay-at-home parents, single parents. We do offer childcare at our agency. 
you offer daycare for younger children if the parents work or if the single parent works and isn't home during the day. So if someone's just thinking about, just think of maybe I could be a foster family, tell us about that process. Well, we have a quick reference guide on the five steps it takes to be a foster parent. And that just goes over that you want to educate yourself, ask about it, call our agency, ask questions if you have them. We're always available to answer any questions that you may have. And if you talk to us and you think you're it's something you still are interested in, you're going to want to make an inquiry. And you can do that on our website. It's shown right here on step number two. And that inquiry will come to our agency and we'll contact you and send you out an additional email with lots more information and an application. So you'll print off that application, fill it out and turn it into our agency. Once we receive that application, you'll be assigned an assessor. An assessor will come out to your home, help you attend your pre-service training, we'll give you all the documents you need to complete your home study, and we'll walk you through that process. That process takes roughly three to six months to complete, but you have up to a year. So it could take up to a year. Well, that's that's on their time frame. So like you don't want to, we don't ever want to rush somebody through a process that they're not ready to complete. So we try to get them done within six months, but they had their application lasts an entire year. So after a year, if you, so you need to keep renewing your application every year? If you're licensed after, before that year mark, you don't have to do anything. But if you are not licensed after the the year mark, we ask that there be a reason why you're not completing the process and may have you reapply at a different time. Okay. But once you're approved, um, is there, is there a reapp, is there a renewal process that happens every every so often or you're one and done? There's reapplication or recertification every two years, but we come out to the home and kind of go over all the paperwork annually so that you're not bombarded at the end of that two-year mark like, oh, I forgot to do my training or I forgot to complete this paperwork. We remind you about halfway through the process. Is there anything you want to show us that's, uh, that's on your website that we should show everybody? Oh yeah, it'd be great to just take a look at the website and, and see what's on there. You can find the website at co.warren.oh.us. Is that right? Yes. And if you click on health and family. Go to health and family right here at the top. Okay. Right. And underneath health and family services, you'll click on children's services. Children's services. There it is. And that'll take you to our webpage, which you can click on the available buttons that are available children we have donation programs. As you can see above that, it says Christmas sponsors needed. We we sponsor about 300 to 350 children because we sponsor even people who are living with kinship, needy families. We, you can request a speaker to come speak to your organization about mandated reporting. And then the very last button would be the foster care adoption application, which will, if you fill that out, it's very short, basic information. It would come to us as an inquiry, and then we will contact you. If you're interested in uh, in being a foster family, you click right over there, I guess, on, on that. Absolutely. Do your initial request that we already talked about. You want to see children who are available right now? All those children are available for adoption right now that are on that site underneath that button are all children that are currently or in the permanent custody of our agency and are available for adoption. Right. So we can click on this first one. Let me wait. There we go. Meet Austin. You get a picture and you hear a little bit more about about when this one says Austin is a sweet, funny, helpful young man. He can be shy at first, but once he gets to know you, he is talkative. 
Austin enjoys watching movies, being around animals and Pokemon. Austin would do best in a home that can provide a routine and set clear boundaries. He will need continued counseling to help him cope with his past trauma. Sounds like all of our kids. That's like <laughs> probably all of the kids. It and does. And every child needs, right? You're not going to be in foster care if you haven't had trauma, right? Absolutely. Of some sort. We already heard from Jamin today in this video series. Um, or if you're listening on the podcast, we'll be hearing from Jamin specifically in, uh, in coming weeks. 16-year-old man. Young man still looking for his forever family. So then, if you're not if you're not looking to be a foster family right now, as you point out, the second one there's donation programs. You click on that. What tell us about that? Well, we have multiple donation programs, and it has Randy Phillips' phone number in the paragraph towards the end where you can call. Right now, what we're gearing up for is our Christmas donations where if you would contact our agency and Randy is actually in charge of this, she would give you an age of a child and what their needs are to provide Christmas for them. So it's not necessarily, I mean, you can buy one gift, but most likely provide the entire Christmas for the child. And the amount of gifts that come in and out of our agency are just unheard of. The generosity we've seen has been wonderful. It's not just foster children, but we're also providing families for kinship, for children who are still with their parents. Maybe their parents can't afford it. Their grandma can't afford it. So we're also providing Christmas for those children also. So one way to donate is to specifically donate financially to give a child a better Christmas if they're in a situation where their their family or lack of family can't afford any kind of a Christmas celebration for that. And it's November, so Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming close. So that could be a a great way to get to start to get involved. Last year, we even had, I think it was Christmas Eve, and we removed children, two different families, their children from their home to put them with kinship or in foster care. And we scrambled to find gifts for those children for the next day who would not have had a Christmas. But because so many people had donated just randomly giving gifts and gift cards and cash for us to buy gifts, we were able to run out on Christmas Eve and provide full Christmas for those children who the next day who they were with would not have been able to do so. So it really does make an impact Although people don't always realize the impact they may, it makes on the children. I mean, the memories of, you know, to wake up Christmas morning and have that is, is huge. Uh, it says right here, actually, Christmas sponsors yes. needed. But, so if you go to that page, Christmas sponsors needed, you can call Randy Phillips. The number uh, is right there. If you're on the podcast, that number, local number 513 is 439-8789. But if you're driving on the podcast, just remember to go to the website. Just remember to go yes. to the website. You can find it all there. But yes. 439-8789, Randy Phillips in charge of that. Donate financially. If someone, a child, even is removed, which happens apparently uh, on Christmas Eve or close to Christmas, you can help make sure that they have something to open on Christmas. Um, let's move on. Let's see what else is. So satisfaction survey. What's that? That is just a survey that if people had a certain experience with child welfare in Warren County and they want to let us know, good or bad, they can do the satisfaction survey and we will follow up with them. Okay, then request a speaker. Uh, this would be... Speaker for mandated reporters. There are certain people, therapists, police officers, school officials, church personnel who are mandated reporters who are required to report any concerns of abuse or neglect of a child. This speaker will come out to your organization and explain 
what your responsibilities are in reporting to make sure that we're not overlooking any children that might be at risk. And then foster adopt application. Great. Is there anything else on this webpage that you want to point out you should be aware of? We do have Dropbox under relative kinship care, but anyone that might have a child that is living with them, there are resources under that Dropbox for them to go to. And these would be for Warren County residents to look into any kind of needs that they might have, financial, as you can see, court needs, health department, what they're eligible for to receive as a kinship care provider. Great. So, so what happens when a, when a child ages out of the foster care system? What age does that happen and what does that mean for a child when they age out of the foster care system? So there are children who unfortunately never find permanency which is one of our agency goals, and they have to age out of foster care, which is is that they've graduated from high school, they're 18, or they graduate from high school, and they emancipate from our agency, and they're no longer in our custody. Our goal is to set them up in some type of independent living that they can move forward. And there are services throughout Ohio that are trying to help those youth. One of them is Bridges, that help them bridge to adulthood. There is funding available for youth that age out of the system, We try to get them into education programs, but that's a real struggle for children who leave the foster care system without a forever home. And that's why we we really want to push, you know, foster homes that are willing to keep children long-term if their parents aren't able to bring them back. So you said if they're 18 or graduated from high school. So if you're in the middle of high school and you turn 18, does that immediately change your status right there or not until you graduate? We keep them in our care until they graduate. And we've even kept children, if they're transitioning to college, we've kept children in our care over the summer until they transition into college. I um, myself actually recognize the huge need in this area, working here at Warren County Children's Services for so many years that I've just recently became a licensed foster parent myself. I'm waiting for the call any day. (laughs) Oh my goodness, that's exciting. So you're waiting for the call. So so, so that's that's helpful too. So, so you've been approved. Is it a matter of just figuring out what for your home situation or are you waiting for someone? What's happening with that right now? Well, what's happening with that right now is I actually do the licensing at Warren County Children's Services. So I had to get licensed through another agency. So I would be paired with one of their children and they would just call on that. The phone could ring right now, I suppose, right? (laughs) Theoretically, it could. (laughs) Yes, it could. So even if you don't go through the foster family process, there could be a situation where you could help a child in need just by being a, what did you call that? A kinship caregiver? What did you say? Right, a kinship provider. And we just want people to be aware is that anyone can be a caregiver, even if they're not a foster parent. Teachers, neighbors, you don't have to be a relative. If you have a child that you know that, that has a need for placement because their family can't take care of them, you don't have to go through the foster care placement process to be a caregiver for these children. So to be a temporary caregiver, because I know that there's teachers that have children in their classroom that have become caregivers, police officers who've responded to the scene have taken care of children. So it's not just taking care of the kids that are in need that by being a foster parent, you can also be a provider just at a kinship level. You don't have to go through the process of being licensed. We would complete a home study of your home and some background checks to make sure everybody is safe and we would be monitoring the home. But that's at kind of a different level. So we don't want people to think 
that, you know, what can I do beyond just becoming a foster parent? If you see a child and you can reach out and provide care for that child. That's only for someone who is in contact with a child already and they know that there's a need there and they can immediate help. Is that right? Like, like, as you said, like a teacher, for example, a neighbor, this isn't a situation of like, I would like to be a kinship provider and I sign up and then it's not that kind of a thing. No, no, we would not take phone calls from people in the community that are willing to take a child without being licensed. But if you have a connection with a child that's having to go into care, by all means, you can step up and be a provider. For so if you're in that situation, you're a teacher, you see someone in your classroom, you know about the situation and you you know they might be going into foster care, what, what would you do at that point? Contact your agency? If you, if you know that the child is involved with children's services, I would call that children's service agency and leave a message for to speak to the caseworker and let them know of your interest. And that would start that process. You can even speak to the family. Parents might be part of, hopefully, are part of the plan of where we're putting the child. So if you speak to the parents and say, you know, I'm interested in taking care of your child while you're in recovery or you're kind of getting your life straightened out, that parent can say, hey, I have someone that might be interested. But, you know, don't give up. Keep calling the child welfare agency. Talk to them. Reach out and let them know you're available. All right. Well, thanks to everyone for talking with us today about foster care about the great number of children we have out there who need good foster families, how anyone can get involved, and for just sharing your stories. Bob, thanks for having us. Thank you. And I want to thank all of our viewers and listeners for tuning in on this episode of our Being Pro-Life series. Head to the website and view all the links talked about in this episode at www.catholiccincinnati.org slash being-pro-life. Thank you again for joining us today, and I look forward to being with you next time.